This Greg Collins Substitute Teacher's Lounge. Man, I am one routine-oriented person. Everything has to be in its place. And by the time today's episode is over, I'm going to convince you, you need to be just like me. (laughs) Or maybe I'm going to convince myself that I need to back off a little bit. Summertime, summertime, we're all out of school. Maybe a few of you possibly in the East who had many more snow days than we had here in Kentucky. In fact, you know, COVID changed all that. We tend to do a lot more NTI. Sometimes we'll have traditional snow days, but not very often. But it's summertime. As we get into the episodes for the summer, they'll be more laid back. Obviously, I won't have as many stories to share with you because I'm not going to the school. My summer is going to be filled up with vacationing. I'm excited that in our area that they're starting up a volleyball club for ages as young as eight years old, both boys and girls. So that's how I'm going to occupy my summer. Now, if you haven't already picked it up out of the first 209 episodes of this podcast. I don't know. Maybe you're not listening carefully enough. I am a very strong type A personality, which is associated with routine type A. Everything has a routine. Everything I do things over and over the same way all the time. Give you a for instance. First of all, let me just say, You can go out and find a right brain, left brain test. Most people are relatively even, maybe 50% right brain, 50% left. By the way, this test, there's some people that try to discredit the test. It's right on the money with me. I think sometimes people are looking for things to do and they say, okay, I'm going to see what I can find wrong with this. And then they write it up. They said, oh, I never did. Never did make any sense in the first place. Well, I am very heavily left-brained. The left part of your brain has to do with thinking and logic. Most math people are left-brained people. The creative people, they're the right-brained people. They're the ones that know how to create things. To be honest, I would say that, you know, I'm a little jealous of them because I don't have a creative bone in my body, but I'm very type A. I usually come out on those tests at about 90% type A. Some of the examples that I'll give you about my routine things that just have to be perfect. I have to do things exactly like this all the time. First of all, my parents used to make fun of me for being this way. And in fact, when they, they, uh, they've passed on now, but they used to own a trailer, a vacation trailer in the Anna Maria Island area of Florida. And the first time when our kids are little, our kids are grown now, but I remember back when I think the boys might have been three, three to five, which makes my my daughter would have been about nine then. I remember telling them, I'm going to be down at 10 a.m. We'll, we'll be down about 10 a.m. on Saturday. 
he made fun of me because I got there at 9.55. I am so routine-oriented that a 12-hour drive, I knew exactly when I'd be down there. I knew about how much time we'd spend in eating. If we got through eating faster, I would take my time at other activities. I got there at 10 o'clock because I am extremely routine-oriented. Way back on March 20th, 2020, and the reason I remember is because this interview took place right after the COVID announcements, because I remember talking to Jen Stevens, who is the author of, among other things, Fast, Feast, and Repeat. It's a book about intermittent fasting, and go back and listen to that if you'd like. It's, it's a great book. It's I'll talk about it just a little bit so that we can move on, but there is a reason I refer to this in a routine podcast because I think since I am so routine-oriented, this, I'm going to use quotation marks, this diet or really a better way of eating, but they all say that, was very was routine enough that it was perfect for me. I remember interviewing her on, I think it was March 20th, 2020, because we discussed it was the Masters was going to come up that weekend, and it got canceled, just like everything else in the world got canceled. And I remember we talked about that before we actually got started with the show. So that's how I always remember about the time I interviewed her. Her suggestions in there were perfect for a routine-oriented person. I shifted into a mode where I only ate four hours a day. And I, I, the time slot I chose was about one to five o'clock. Now I'm so adamant about this not being a diet. I said, all right, I'm going to test it, make sure it's not a diet. I'm going to eat a lot during those four hours and see if it still works. Because if all I do is cut calories, well, that's a diet, right? Well, so I ate the same amount and in fact, lost 35 pounds over a series of weeks. I've gotten sloppy with it. I got away from it. When I do go back to it, it works every time. So that's something you can look at. If you, It's based on insulin release and all that kind of thing. So it makes more sense if you read the whole book. And she suggested on that interview a much more healthy diet than I was doing. I mean, I was actually eating, I'm not recommending this. I was actually eating chips and things like that during my four hours and still losing the weight. But the reason I liked it, it was a routine. I knew every day, one o'clock to five o'clock was my eating period. I actually look forward more to eating than I ever have in my life. And it worked just like it was supposed to work. So I am very routine-oriented. I want you to think about how routine-oriented you are. There's some negatives about being routine-oriented, and we're going to talk about both the routines that you got to have and the routines that I need to back off on because sometimes, I won't say it gets me in trouble, but it detracts from the class. First of all, I am not promoting another podcast that I do, but I do do another podcast with my preacher. It's called The Church Debater and Preacher Mike. You can guess which one I am. I try to bring up controversial church-type topics and let him talk about them 
we'll disagree. We want to disagree so that we can get the truth out and that kind of thing. Now, again, I'm not promoting it, but the reason I bring it, say that, he's a preacher. He's much more a type B person. Since I'm type A, here's a phrase I thought that applied to the two of us perfectly if I am five minutes early for a recording session, I think I'm late. If he's five minutes late for a recording session, he thinks he's early. It's just a mindset. Every meeting in my life I've ever gone to, I've been five minutes early. I think the majority of the people show up to a meeting late. Sometimes they just want to make people think they're more important than they are. They they just couldn't get away from their schedule, all that kind of thing. So that is a description of being maybe a little too too routine-oriented, maybe too type A. The other way I'll describe it is for type A personalities, for highly routine-oriented people, that is their greatest strength. And very often, also, their greatest weakness. Let's talk about how that's possible. I know in my case, when I worked myself through my career into various management positions in which I had people reporting to me, when I called a meeting, they knew I wanted them there. I'll give you one thing that I almost did that because of my routine oriented personality, we were going to hire a new employee. We were interviewing people and there is a lady that showed up late to her interview, 10 minutes late. She tried to make an excuse, but I didn't buy it because that's just not my mindset. Okay. I almost didn't hire her because she showed up late for that interview. And when I was talking to the other people in the room after she left and they felt like she was the strongest candidate, I said, all right, let's give her a shot. She turned out to be an excellent employee. So I almost let my type A routineness talk me out of hiring a good person. So I know all of you have routines that you use as a substitute teacher. With me, it's some things as ridiculous as getting up at the exact same time every day, getting to school at the same time, doing the exact same things. Now, I'm going to guess that the first thing you do now, part of my routineness is I get there at least a half an hour early before things start. When I'm long term, it's earlier than that because I like to have my ducks in a row. I like to have my stacks of papers ready to hand out in the appropriate place. I'm a big loser. (laughs) I lose things. So I want to make sure I've got everything in a place where I will see them. I am routine oriented in that way. I, and I'm sure you do this too. The first thing you probably look for out of routine is that sub notes, that sheet of sub notes laying on the teacher's desk so that you know what you're doing. I'm going to guess there's not many of you who don't do that first thing, 
maybe I am totally wrong, and I would love for you to jump on the Substitute Teachers Lounge Facebook group and tell me that. Maybe a lot of you just show up, walk in the room, walk back out in the hallway, socialize with the teachers, maybe get some of their free coffee if they have some, that type of thing. And then when the students finally show up, you walk in and hope there's notes there. That would drive me bananas. I would have a low tolerance for that. You also have routine ways that will help you teach a class. Maybe... In your mind, you know, it's not always written down, but probably in your mind, especially if you're meeting some new students, you've got that little thing going on where you introduce yourself. You do, you don't want to use the word icebreaker because the kids cringe when they hear that. Oh, she's going to make us answer the roster with our favorite animal or our favorite food. I hate that. Instead, you tell them a little bit about yourself. Maybe you'll let them ask you questions about yourself. That's your routine. That's how you get to know those students. Then you hand out the sheets. With me, I will give them little reminders about how much time they have left. You know, your first class of the day is always going to be your experiment anyway, right? Because you gauge the rest of your day. If it's the same class, the same material, you gauge the rest of your day on how well it went in that first period, how well your routine worked. If it didn't work, back off of it some so that it flows more smoothly with periods two through six, okay? Maybe they ran out of time. I remember times I am, I had to, my only week of substitute teaching this week because it was the last two days of school was to monitor them while they were taking their final. Well, guess what? I'm a talker. Even during that, when I knew they needed that time, I would find myself talking to them again. So I had to really back off, break out of my routine and do something I wasn't used to, but they did all right. I've, I've, I've had classes before that they got me off topic. They know how to do it. They know what buttons to push to get Mr. Collins off topic because they'd rather hear me talk than do their work, okay? But your routine probably has you going into the room, and then by the time you get to second period, you might say something like, all right, it took the first period this long, so I suggest you use your time wisely and move from there. I'm going to use a meeting I've been to before that, you know, I'm a question asker. I want to test the speaker's minds, the speakers that I dislike the most. Now, obviously, I'm talking more of a small group setting than a huge auditorium setting. The speakers dislikes too strong a word, but let's turn it around. The speakers I like best are the ones that don't get so caught up in the material that they're presenting that they won't let the members listening to distract them because they are have to get through all their notes. They've got to get through this by 10 after. They've got to get through this by 20 after. That makes you have a less effective presentation. I like the teachers that or the speakers that let us talk to them, even if it means we're going to get way off subject. 
we're still learning things, but we'll get, we may get way off subject and he may not even finish his speech for that day. The classroom's the same way. Okay. You've got this routine. This probably applies more to long-term jobs, but you've got this routine of what you want to go through every day. I would encourage you in this effect, use your routines, find out your routines that are best. But in this effect, don't be like me. Do something that I'm trying to work on. And if you find yourself in that mode where you're afraid you're not going to get through everything, that's okay. Adapt to it because you're going to turn that class into something special if instead of strictly following your planned routine, you open it up and let there be interaction between you and the students. They'll get to know you better. You'll get to know them better. And by simply pulling off from your routine a little bit, all of a sudden that is a memorable class and they'll look forward to having you back in there again. So be like me in that you have to have some routine just to keep yourself organized. Don't be like me in that don't feel like your routine is so important and so strong that you'll never pull off of it, even if you offend somebody else, or even if it draws away from the success of the class, or even if you get upset at another adult because they got you out of your routine. Try to get a nice, smooth combination of just the right amount of routine in your life and in your classrooms that it makes that classroom extra special.